24 of Pods In the key of Spring Field uh, Hey guys, it's Nick here I got a message from James uh, He's editing the episode He wants me to record a little sting uh, There's a few things here Apparently I said the episode number wrong uh, In the very first thing that we say in the episode That's a pretty good track record Apparently it's not episode 24 It's episode 33 uh, And there's something else here Um who are my guys? What? Tonight we are doing season three, episode twenty-four. Brother, can you spare two dimes? Brother, can you spare two dimes? I don't have any dimes. Okay. I'm Australian. What about nickels? No, no nickels either. What about dollars? Do you have any dollars? The only dollar, uh, the only nickel I have is one I've borrowed off you, so I can give your nickel back if you want. Okay. First, though, I'm going to need you to look at this photograph. <laughs> Very good. Yes. Um, and then, uh, because we did, you might remember, we did Treehouse of Horror as a standalone episode, which means that this would be a standalone episode, but you're getting a little bloody double. Little listeners. bloody double. So we're doing uh, Season 3, Episode 24, the finale of Season 3, Brother Can You Spare Two Dimes, and then we're going to do our top fives. Whether you're framing this as a double is slightly less than usual. <laughs> Slightly less. <laughs> slightly less than usual, yes. Um, so, chalkboard in... Oh, I'm Nick. Yep, and I'm um, not Nick. I'm the other one, James. Not Nick. Uh, first, uh, chalkboard in Brother Can You Spare Two Dimes. I will not fake seizures. Yes. All right. Good sure. advice. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, so this episode this is the return of Herb Powell. The return of Danny DeVito. The DeVites. Now, anyone who has listened to this podcast, this podcast being Pods and the Gift Springfield, please rate and review. It will know that I, I have an affinity for Daniel DeVito. I'm a big fan of the DeVites. Does Daniel DeVito have a middle name? I don't know what it is. Oh. I don't know. DeVito, if you have a middle name, please let us know. Please let us know. And by DeVito, that could be any of your children or your ex-wife. Although I'm not, I think maybe she goes by Perlman. I think that's her surname. But still, still, if anyone out there has any way for us to reach out to Danny DeVito, we'd love to be in touch. Where do I know Perlman from? That's a name that's familiar. You think you're Ron Perlman? Am I? Who's Ron Perlman? He was a Hellboy in the movie Hellboy. Hellboy. He also played Hellboy in the movie Hellboy Two. Little little Hellboy. And I think he played the eponymous beast. In Beauty and the Beast, one version of Beauty and the Beast. Oh, the um, not the animated one. No, like no, some no, other. no. The the one with um, uh, Hermione. Um, no, not that one. Oh, that was that Dan one. Stevens, I think. Wait, have there been multiple live action Beauty and the Beast? Yeah, there's been like TV versions. Oh, TV versions. Yeah. Oh, like Once Upon a Time. No. <laughs> Once Upon a Time in a nursery rhyme, there were three bears. Two, a three, a four, a mama and a puffer and a wee bear. Two. Are you doing a rock and roll version of The Three Bears? I believe I am, yes. I, oh. I remember that from school. You know, my favourite iteration of The Three Bears. <laughs> Somebody touched your spaghetti? <laughs> yeah, they got all up in my spaghetti. Okay. Uh, so this episode starts with the medical being held at the power plant, the medical test. Yes. 
Little Lenny rocks up nude. Little Lenny with his dick swinging. In just entirely nude. Yep. I nude. really nude. Yep. I really enjoy um, how straight that joke is played. Just rocks up. Oh, I forgot the medical. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's good. What I want to know about the results of the medical test is why is Smithers the one running these tests? He's the one inspecting Homer's <laughs> sperm sample. Why is Smith Smithers is not a doctor. He's he also, not a medical professional. He's also done his own sperm sample. I mean, why is sperm sampling a part of this medical test? Why is it part of this it's his employee we, medical test? Yeah, you get midway through, and we're drinking coffee, so I feel like I need to space out my punchlines, because you like to laugh. Who doesn't? Do, I do like to laugh. But I like, you know, you get teared up. All right, go to that room and come. That's... <laughs> <laughs> See, I'll let you finish your sip of coffee before I... Ah, <sighs> that's good. And then when you back that up with... Homer's explanation of how the medical went, mm. you know, walk in, pull that down, bend over, spread, spread that, down, yeah. turn your head sideways, cough. And then we find out that they're, they're inspecting all the cums. Yeah. Don't know about this medical. And they don't need to label the cum because every, every sperm just looks like the person it came out of, apparently. Yeah. Well, I mean, I Smithers sperm is wearing glasses. I think that bit's real. Yeah, that, that's the only true science we can take away from all of this. I mean, we got a doctor on this week, so they can talk about it. So, uh, Doctor Cummingsworth, if you could tell us, oh yes, it's perfectly understandable that Smithers come with glasses. Well, thank you, thank you, excellent. You can go now. Okay, I'm just going to stand over here. Then shall I? Yes, please do. No, please leave my please. heart. Yes, please leave. Um, These okay. fucking mooches. Can I cr- cross that out? <laughs> cross out my <laughs> Dr. Note. Cummingsworth, yep. <laughs> Dr. Crossed Cummingsworth, out. that character's done. Took him, threw him away. But you know, I feel like when I first saw this episode, I wouldn't have known what sperm was. Oh, interesting. I would have been a young child. I would have no concept of sperm. Hmm. And just looking, uh, this man is infertile. Look at this sperm, I'm like, huh, okay. Don't know what I'm looking at here. Yeah. I'm young. I have no recollection about the first time I saw this episode and whether or not I knew what was going on in it. The first episode that I remember seeing and thinking, this is a brand new episode that has never been on Australian TV before. Oh, yes. Was the B-Sharps episode. Homer's Barbershop Quartet, first episode of season five. Sure, okay. Season five is the first season I remember watching as it was new. Sure. So this is... I was pretty young. Pretty young. When I would have seen this episode for the first time. First time. Pretty young. Yeah. I have no recollection about what... Um, what we uh, just watched, what TV is. No, I have no recollection about any uh, interactions with uh, Simpsons media when I was... Like, I don't remember the first time I saw the, the shows. I don't remember the first time I... I don't know. Read one of the comics... I don't remember the first time I read a letter that was published in one of the comics. Ah, we, Nick. we just don't know. I remember the comics. Really? I remember them well. Oh, weren't you talking about this in a recent episode? I may have. I've got some uh, some dark things in my past, Nick, and who knows well, like, what ways I'll find to explore them in the future. James, dark ways, the dark things in the past. Do you mean the shadow behind you? Because you can just fix that by turning around and it's in front of you then, or by moving the light source. Do you, want me to move the, do you want me to move the light source? <laughs> I'm scanning my head for like jokes I can make off of that about source that is too light. And I'm like, no, none of that's any good. Oh. Yeah. What, like a light soy sauce instead of a instead of a standard soy sauce or a dark soy sauce? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I like using dark soy sauce as the basis for my stir fries. Okay. You do yeah. strike me as a dark soy sauce man. 
<laughs> Dark Soy Sussman, which is another Scott Ackerman nickname. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it's good to see Mr. Burns in this episode. I feel like it's been a while since we've seen Burnsy. Yeah, because he... Mean, this he... is the third episode we've recorded today of our podcast, and of the five episodes of The Simpsons we've watched, Burnsy only pops up in one of them. Yeah. When he walks in at first, he's holding his arms slightly outstretched like a T-Rex. Yeah. Like little, little stubby little T-Rex arms. Yes. I enjoy that. Yes, so do I. I like to imagine that's how he just traipses around. Trapes. Yeah. He's a good Burns. Good mm. man. Burnsman. One of my favourites. So, uh, Homer's infertile. His sperm doesn't work. His cum's having no effect. I gotta stop saying the word cum, but I just think it's a funny word. It's a pretty funny word. Yeah. Uh, so... He's going to be giving into it hard, though. Yeah, he's going to be given two thousand dollar dues. Yes, yes. So uh, we cut to Herb. Herb Powell's back. Herb Powell, old mate Devito. Yes, back in rare form, doing the thing he does once again. Very good in this episode. Very good. Big fan of Danny Devito. Love him more than I love life itself. Sure. Would give up everything for a moment of his company. Wow. Yeah. He's my best and only friend. Okay, sure. Yeah. This is this is getting interesting now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, always sunny in Philadelphia. Good show. So, uh, Mr. Mr. Powell, he's a, a pal to you and me. He is sure. homeless. He's on the street. Uh, one of the other homeless people there was Charlie Chaplin, I noticed. Yeah, that was an interesting He's one. eating a boot. I think one of the other guys might have been based on one of the writers of The Simpsons. He looked familiar. Oh, really? Because yeah. there, was, there was one there that looked an awful lot like Droopy the Clown. No, Droopy Draws the Clown. Droopy Draws, yeah. Uh, a character who in the... Um, oh, my God. Black Widower. Black Widower, thank yeah. you. Um, at the award ceremony where Sideshow Bob wins, someone called Droopy Draws loses. And I think that then... Rendered this poor little clown homeless. Yeah, really did not take his Emmy loss or his daytime Emmy loss no. well. No, he did not. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. It is. The Simpsons. You know, it's a TV show I that we've watched. I think that the days when we record three episodes in a row, <laughs> the third episode tends to be one of the best. It's all right. We'll bounce back. We got these coffees. We got Devito. We got it all happening here. We've got caffeine. We've got Devitz. You've done a fucking diagram of Danny DeVito on your notes that I've just noticed. A diagram is a picture. <laughs> yeah, okay. I didn't sorry. get a blueprint. You've done an illustration of DeVito. Yeah. I gave him a lazy eye. Was that intentional or you just shit at eyes? I just thought it'd be fun for him to have a lazy eye. I thought yeah. it would add character. It's actually a surprisingly good likeness of DeVito. DeVito's but... not hard to draw. He's just a circle. <laughs> <laughs> Only drew his head as well. He's not like Kirby. Kirby's a circle. I can draw Kirby. You gonna draw Kirby? There's a circle. Circle. There we go. Little arms, little legs. Oh, that's a really good Kirby. He's smoking a cigar. There we go. That's Why Kirby. Why is Kirby smoking a cigar? Because every character I draw gets to smoke a cigar. It's like my trademark. Was it you that drew the dolphin with a monocle and a top hat? Yes, it was. Yeah. That was me. <laughs> yeah, cool. That was your MSN picture for a while, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I used to be a Microsoft Paint artist. I don't know if people know this about me, but I had my own little webcomic. It was called Sweet Sweet, Sweet, Sweet Biscuits. Biscuits. Yep. That was who I was for a long time. And now I'm whatever jackass I am now. Now I guess I podcast. Mm. Mm. I mean, I think Sweet Sweet Biscuits was one of the best things that you've ever published. But anyway, enough about that. <laughs> so um, I want to talk about the, the montage after Homer uh, after the kids break Homer's couch. Have you got anything before that? 
I do have one thing to note. Uh, when we see Please, note away. Oh, when we see her pal, and he's talking to the other the other homeless guys. They show a flashback to the earlier episode that yeah. featured him to remind us of what happened in that. Yeah, and that's a funny little throwback to a time when people hadn't seen the earlier episodes so often and their entire personalities weren't built around memorizing The Simpsons. That's true. When you had to remind people what had happened in previous yeah. episodes or it, as it, opposed to it being the core fundamental part of who we are. Or it may be the case that some people had never seen that early episode. Because I don't yeah. know. I, uh, I I guess by this stage, have they hit 100 episodes yet? No, are they no to... not even... Close. No, the hundredth episode is "Sweet Seymour Skinner's Badass Song" in season five. Oh, oh, wow! It's the one where the uh, dog gets into the vents. And all the way loses... up, all the yeah. way up to season five. Yeah, yeah, right. And that's when they hit a hundred episodes. That gives them, you know, like a good number for syndication. It, I was about to say they haven't hit the syndication number yet, which means that they probably haven't started getting into the kind of nightly repeat market at this stage yep uh which means it's very likely that these episodes came and went and then they needed the flashbacks in there for, whereas now it's like well everyone knows the story of pal motors and herb pal and pal 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 yeah and the debates um, yeah uh so then the couch breaks yes oh so did you want to talk about the award ceremony uh, that's after the couch break, though. So. Oh, is that? Oh, yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the couch breaking, because uh, little Bart the is Bart. doing an Olympic event. Yeah. Um, nice little moment. It's a very nice little moment. And then Homer has the montage about the couch. Now, something that has always stuck with me is when they show the uh, Homer's watching TV and it's Hands Across America, and there's a line of people, um, yep. Flanders and the family, through the living room. Mm-hmm. I have always loved the way that Flanders slides out of the little song they do. Because everyone goes, Hands across America. And then Flanders continues, America, yeah. And yeah. he goes down to this really cool little bluesy note, which I've always enjoyed. It's really nice. Um, it's very nice. And then I decided to look up Hands Across America, yeah. yeah. And I've got some facts about it. Would oh, like, good. Would you like to know some Hands Across America facts? No, I'm good. Uh, 25th of May, 1986. Okay. Same year that I was born. Different month, different day. Hmm. Coincidence? Hmm. You decide. Uh, 6.5 million people, approximately. Uh, holding hands? Holding hands in a human chain. Across what the Wikipedia article referred to as contiguous America. Ooh. So by that, I assume they're not counting Alaska because that's not part of contiguous America. Contiguous America. Uh, and Hawaii, which I believe is also an American state. Uh, so that's also not part of contiguous America. Sure. And any other bits and pieces that are not part of contiguous America <laughs> are also, by definition, not part of it. Okay, good. Excellent. Um, End of fact. No, they, keep going. They held hands for 15 minutes. Many participants, apparently, it said many, which leads me to believe that there are some tight asses, but many participants donated $10 to reserve their place in line, and that went to charity. Some participants. See, some, that's when you get to the... Some yeah. participants, freeloading assholes. A participant. Um, the path of people linked major cities and meandered back and forth within the cities to allow for maximum... Um, participation of people okay so it wasn't just a straight line down the main street of the town it might go back and forth if more people in that town wanted to line up uh there were some huge breaks in the chain but they decided that with 6.5 million people if they were standing at an average of 1.2 meters apart then they would have stretched from coast to coast across the states on average Mm. it's just that you know in the middle of desert nowhere there was probably no one willing to stand there okay 
what I really like about Hands Across America yeah. is that afterwards, like, things were good forever and there were no more problems. It was meant as a symbol of unity. Yep. And you know what? I've always said the moment before... So it was a 15-minute duration. Yeah. The moment before the first minute started, before everyone held hands, that moment was the last moment that America had any troubles to do with unity. Yeah, which is um, something I'm very thankful for. Mm. Yeah. Once again, we would like to express that we uh, stand with everyone who is marching for anti-violence and that we think you're all heroes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Hands Across America. That's all I had about Hands Across America. So when the, uh, when the couch breaks... Which, I- is, which is very different to the, um, the other thing, Hans Across America... Where they took a German guy and shot him in a cannon. Yeah. Trying to get him across Little the Little man. <laughs> Just going across Han, state to Han, state. Hans Molman across America. Yeah. As part of the Do As We Say festival. So uh, when the couch breaks, Homer says, you're going back to where you came from. The curb in front of Flanders' house. In front of? <laughs> yes. Yep. That's how I always pronounce the word uh, flant. Were you hoping I was going to skip over that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw the glint in your eyes. I knew you weren't. Uh, but they... Homer says he's going to go back. To the curb. And this line hits close to home for me. I would like to briefly run you through some of the furniture in my house. Sure. The couch that I sit on, which is uh, breaking slowly but surely. I enjoy that you define it as the couch you sit on, which makes me wonder if you've got several couches that you don't sit on. Oh no, I do not. I just have... Well, I've got the two-piece couch. Two-piece. This couch is my previous housemate's previous housemate's previous housemate's couch... Which, last time I talked to him, he's not entirely sure where he got it from. So Good. This couch has been in the house for a while. It's got some history. There is a cabinet that I keep uh, DVDs and games on that I found outside. Good. <laughs> just on the street. Great. There was another one that was just in the bathroom when I moved in. I'm not sure where huh. it came from exactly. But I'm using that. Uh, the table belonged to my previous houseman. He didn't want it when he moved out. The TV stand I actually bought myself, but like years ago when I actually had money. And nice. the other one, there's a Target shelf that I bought. I didn't buy the one I really wanted because I had to walk at home and it was a long journey. Ah. Yeah. And then I bought another identical one and again didn't get the one I wanted because uh, it would have cost a lot more in shipping. Sure. So I feel like this yeah. sort of uh, furniture just being made up of things you found... <laughs> Sure. I feel like that's a good way to live, right? That's My life isn't too sad or broken. It's definitely not. Everything's fine. Yeah, okay. Um, I once, um, uh, a long time ago when I was in a punk band, we were, we were recording our own EP in our drummer's front room. Yep. Um, we, we patched together this ridiculous kind of home recording studio just based on bits and pieces of bullshit we could find. And then on the street... Bits and pieces of bullshit would be a good name for a band, by the way. That's pretty good band. Um, On the street that my drummer lived on, we found uh, an old CRT computer monitor. And we thought, hey, cool, someone's thrown this out. Let's take it back and see if it works. Because if it works, we can use it to mirror the screen of the computer that we're working on. So that one person can look at that while the, you know, whoever's Mm. recording their instrument can see, okay, I, I can see the waveform. I know what I'm doing. Um, we took it into his house and we were like, hey, mate, look at this thing we just got. Yeah. Free monitor. <laughs> and then, like, ants started calling out of the monitor <laughs> and into his living room. And we were just like, oh, 
we should probably take this outside. <laughs> and if, if if it's full of ants, I'm not I'm not sure it's going to work anymore. <laughs> I also have a bunch of uh, outside chairs that I found at a dumpster. So you know, That's good. I'm living my best life. A dumpster brand dumpster or a trash co waste removal unit. It was actually the business next door to my house was uh, I guess closing down. They threw out everything, and it was a really nice shelving unit. I just could not get out of the dumpster. Oh, isn't that the worst? Yeah, I know. Just give it to give it to someone. Don't throw away a perfectly good shopping unit. No. You, uh, I mean, this is why the business is shutting down, I think. They had just had no idea about the value of things. Sure. I mean, real value to me is in friendship. But also, I really would have liked that shopping unit. Absolutely, you would have. So, uh, there's a big elaborate award ceremony for the first annual Montgomery Bullet... Uh, fuck. I can't talk today. My my vocal cords are... Uh, my ability to think is gone. Yes. I took it and I threw it away. Yeah. The second coffee is going to kick in pretty soon, I think. No, I, I know what your problem is. You mm. got one listen to the sweet, silky tones of the DeVites. <laughs> and you've just gone off to a state of spine melter 2000 euphoria. That's you, probably true. Where you can no longer... I mean, at this stage, for you, thoughts don't matter. After my David treat, I just, uh, words and thoughts, ne'er the two shall meet. Good. In my mouth, mate. Yes. <laughs> Which is what I call my mouth. <laughs> uh, I'm really tripping over my mouth, mate. That's what I call my tongue. Yeah. Um, um, yes, the awards are. You know, the other day I started oh. thinking, how far back in my throat does my tongue go? And then I became very self-conscious thinking about my tongue. And now I've done it to everyone listening. Yeah. Yeah. But now I'm immune because I've thought it once. So I don't think about it anymore. That's interesting. I think you've had a little bit. It is bothering me a lot. Yeah, tongues are so, like, when you start thinking about it. Yeah. You really wish you weren't thinking about it. Yes. <laughs> oh, I have a grimace of pain on my face at the moment because I'm thinking about my tongue. And it's causing me some discomfort. The award anyway. ceremony is unnecessarily overblown, which is nice. It's cool. Yes. And then uh, there's a scene where Barney picks a fight with the boxer whose name I didn't write down. Uh, Diamond Joe Frazier? Yes. There's an ongoing thing in like this season of Barney picking fights with sports people. Yeah. And this time he gets the shit beaten out of him. Yeah. and then the, It's got the... nothing to do with Pitt the Elder nor Lord Palmerston this no. time. Um, and the you door... see one of his teeth fly through the air? Yeah, and the door swings back and it's literally dripping with blood. Yeah. I mean, Barney has been eviscerated. Yes. He's been wrecked. Wrecked. By this man. By Diamond Joe Fraser. Yes. Yeah. 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 So when Herb rocks up... Yeah. And he goes to the Flanders house... Yes. Because he's tossing up between, well, which of these houses is likely to be the one that has money... The uh, the one that has a very trashed front yard and is all falling down, or the spick and span Flanders house. The money being two thousand dollars, which I suppose must have been like a shitload back then. I mean, I, still, I don't think it's a life changing amount. Although, mind you, in that in the earlier episode where the others got five thousand dollars for their stock prices, mm. and like they went and bought like extremely fancy sports cars with it. Yep. So. Um, but he goes to the Flanders house, and there's all, there's a scene as he leaves the Flanders house that I have never quite understood. Okay. So he leaves, and he says, oh, thanks for the suit. And they say, hey, if you want to come, you know, blah, 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 blah. Flanders being very nice. 
and then Rod or Todd, this is God, doesn't matter. Yeah. One of them starts singing Onward Christian Soldier and the whole family joins in. Yeah. Now here's the thing that I'm not 100% sure what is going on. Okay. Herb walks off into the sunset and the clouds, uh, we can see about half the sun on the horizon and the clouds are coming in towards the sun like like rays. I'm really enjoying these hand motions you're making to illustrate this. I'm working very hard to try and find a way to, to audio. It's like you're a Disney sorcerer. Which is also the music I had in my head when you talk about the ants marching out of that computer screen, by the way. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Um, also, Disney sorcerer. Um, oh, you mean like Aristotle? Anyway. I mean like Nicolas Cage and the Sorcerer's Apprentice. It's a bit of a callback. Um, and so the, the, the clouds are coming in like rays. They're singing on, on the Christian soldier. The the uh, the clouds and the sun have always looked to me like a reference to the uh, the land of the rising sun, old school Japanese flag. Okay. And I don't know why we see something that looks like it's meant to be a reference to an old school Japanese flag, a symbol that, according to the Wikipedia searching I did, is um, viewed as a symbol of Japanese imperialism has been used by some right-wing political parties during protests. Huh. Um, and I do not understand why they're singing Onward Christian Soldier marching as to war over this Japanese Land of the Rising Sun flag. Well, Herb does admit early in the episode that a lot of his success was built on the reappropriation of Japanese language in that his strategy for marketing his cars was to give them Japanese names like the, so. the, the Tempura. Tempura hatchback, yeah. Yep. So I don't know, maybe is there some sort of reference to his uh, reappropriation of... Maybe. I don't know. It just, I've, for as long as I've known that the clouds and the sun look like a reference to an old Japanese flag, I've been very uncomfortable with that scene because I just don't know what it means. Can't say it's ever registered for me. I've never really noticed it. That is very interesting, though. Mm. I do guess... you know the flag I mean? Yes, I yeah, do. Yeah, I cool. guess realistically it is just them fucking up. Probably, maybe it seems so. Like, hang on, I'm actually I'm gonna take. You gonna Frankie Ackett? I'm gonna Frankie Ackett because I'm, I want you to. All right. While you're doing that, I'm gonna bring up an earlier point from when they go and look at the chair, the spine melter, or whatever it's called, the spine tingler, the uh, yep. the chair that Homer wants to buy, and he sits in, and there's a 2001 parody, and then they're talking about it, and Marge says, "Those clouds are so weird." Oh yeah. That they must. Like, I realise it's a fairly abstract interpretation of the Rising Sun flag, but still, the clouds are so weird and so kind of unusually designed that I just feel like it's intentional and I don't know what the intent of it is. Uh, Just looking at it, it might just be, you know, one of the laws of animation, how everything's sort of meant to come to a focal point. Yeah, I guess so, maybe. But, I mean, they don't normally draw clouds like that. If anyone out there knows, (laughs) I... Happily listen. <laughs> Which is really the bare minimum of what we can do to <laughs> anyone who pays us any attention. That's a very good point. Uh, so when they're talking about this chair, Marge says, This money was a blessing. We can't just spend it on a creature comfort. Two questions. Mm-hmm. One, why not? Mm. I mean, there's money. They didn't have it before. Why not spend it on something nice? Sure. And number two, just like buy a couch. You need a couch. Yeah. Buy a couch. You don't have a couch anymore. It is very clear what the money should be spent on. A yeah. fucking couch. Yeah. And like probably a washer and dryer. You can probably get both, judging by how much money $2,000 seems to be in they, the context of the Simpsons world. 
Also, I retract that. They're not in urgent need of a couch. They've got the couch in the front room. Yeah. Bring that couch into the other room. They could. Yeah. It's such a big house. I mean, there's so many rooms. Yeah. It's ridiculous. All of them, full of things. So Herb, old mate Herb, he comes into the house, and there's like a moment in this episode that impacted me weirdly. I didn't expect. Impacted you Just like a really nice little moment that made me vaguely sad. Oh. There's a moment where um, Marge sees Herb and walks up and says, Oh, Herb, how are you? And instantly just like hands him Maggie, which is a really like lovely casual moment of just like characters playing off each other. It's just like, here's a man that I immediately like know a lot and trust and know wants to hold my baby. Sure. And this moment made me sad because it reminded me of how few friends Marge has. Just looking, it's just like... This guy, just this friend that she feels so immediately comfortable mm. with, who will never appear in the series again after this episode. No. There's just a sadness to that. You know, another aspect that has, that I've just realised has made me sad about that? Yeah. Is that we saw in um, Homer Alone that mm. Marge doesn't trust Homer uh, with, no. with Maggie. No. And yet she trusts Homer's brother with Maggie. Marge should have left Homer for Herb. Oh, that'd be an interesting one. Think of all the DeVito we'd get. Fuck. Yeah. We'd get tons of DeVitts. Yeah, we'd get heaps and heaps of that sweet, sweet DeVitts. <laughs> Those are words that almost rhyme. <laughs> it's close. Uh, yeah, so that just filled me with this sort of melancholy. It's like, oh, you know, this is like a really meaningful relationship that Marge had because mm. Homer has friends mm. and he's the one who fucked everything up in the first place mm. and uh, Although Marge I think, just doesn't get that in the same way in this show I think in um, I think in our initial watching of um, Oh Brother Where Art Thou or Yo Bro Where Are You Though as yeah. I believe we called it yeah. um, I believe we concluded it wasn't Homer's fault it was Herb's fault for giving all this power over to Homer I mean but, that is true and like no oversight whatsoever mm-hmm. but um, something that made me sad yeah. is uh, when uh, when Herb says to, I think to Bart, um, pizza boxes are an inexpensive source of cheese. Is that right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. My concern is why is he paying for discarded <laughs> pizza boxes? Surely discarded pizza boxes should be a free source of cheese. You would think so. They're discarded. By the very definition, no one wants them. Yeah. That's why they're discarded. Absolutely. And so who's coming along saying, mm, 20 cents for that box, if you don't mind? Yeah, somebody's got a really uh, weird racket going on pizza boxes. Someone's got a maybe, really weird Maybe racket. within the homeless community within Springfield, there is some sort of economy around pizza boxes. Due to the economic downturn. The economic down- yeah, the economic downturn, absolutely. So um, Herb has this idea to build a, a device that lets you hear what a babby has to say. Yes, little babby. What does babby even mean? And... Uh, what if Babby Modern? Yeah, he, he shows them a drinking bird to illustrate illustrate how a good idea, how like a simple idea marketed well can make a lot of money. Two things. Yes. One, the entire relevance of the drinking bird in modern society is down to this episode and nothing else. Yes, this nothing is, else. Every time I see a drinking bird, I'm like, ah, oh, The Simpsons. Yep. Also, that's just really good writing, I think. That scene where he just walks in like, here's like a weird thing. This is a good example of like how marketing something well. Sure. Even though, like, it must have meant something different at the time, because now 
our idea of that object is so superseded by the Simpsons representation of it that the idea of it being inherently popular and marketed well is irrelevant to us. It, yeah, that's interesting. But just taken as an example of like it's him almost, setting up, this is what I'm trying to do. It's very good writing. It's almost become a self-negating prophecy. Yes. <laughs> because the marketing of that bird has nothing to do with that bird's relevance or popularity to us. Yes. But the reason we know of it is the speech that says the marketing of it was good. Yeah. That's all that that is. That's complex. That's deep. That is something. That's it's it's definitely something. <laughs> and then you just crossed out your last night. You didn't say anything. The last night was an expensive source of cheese. Oh, okay. I said that before. Okay. And then sometimes I cross things out on a one comment delay cycle. That's fair. So uh he um Hope is going to build this thing that lets you know what the baby is saying. And, you know, he used to be, like, a car designer, and he just admitted his whole thing was just giving them, like, interesting names. Yeah. How on earth does Herb have the experience necessary to build this machine? Well, that's a very interesting question. Um, one of the... <laughs> <laughs> he just crossed out a note that said one comment delay. <laughs> I told you, sometimes I cross things out on a one comment delay. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, you just had to explain why I was laughing because this I is an know. audio medium. <laughs> I know. I just enjoyed that. I s- completely glared, like stared, stared right into your soul while I turned my book around and crossed out the note. Um, uh, I mean, that's an interesting point. Um, maybe he was just downplaying his his design efforts to the boys mm. under the bridge um, because well, it must be. An incredible scientist. He must be quite clever. Because he builds this for $2,000 in the space of what seems to be about a week. With, with nothing more than... an One os- baby. <laughs> one baby and an oscilloscope. Yes. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Mm. But whatever. It's, you know, I can go with it because it's a nice little plot line. It's a nice plot line. But it's still nuts and ridiculous. Maybe maybe he's just a mad genius and we didn't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe he that's is what, with defeats. Maybe that's where Bart gets it from. Oh, maybe. You know how you're constantly inheriting traits from your uncle? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing. <laughs> Common experience, unless Herb is the real father, which we have no reason to suspect, apart from this one thing we've it, just said. And it would have made much more sense for Marge to go for Herb. Mm. He is a better person, except for his volatile nature and uh, oh. inability to run a company. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, we've all got those. He's probably not as good as like at managing a like a country star as Homer is. Sure, sure. But in every other way, he seems oh, like a good guy. The episode with uh, Pearlene Pumpkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to go with a further name. I'm like, no, nah, Pearlene Pumpkin's the best one. Pearlene Pumpkin's good enough. Yeah. So we go to a some sort of uh, show where he's showing off the baby translator, which, by the way... Not not a boat show, so I'm not fucking interested. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's going to be no sex at this show. <laughs> Sorry, Sonic. <laughs> Linking back to an earlier episode, that's not just me being weird. Uh, well, it is me being weird, but for a reason. Yeah, in in context, it makes... So well, sh- sense is overselling it, but in context, it's something. So, uh, a question about this baby translator. Sure. Is it possible he's just lying and this thing doesn't work? Uh, and it just says, like, a phrase? And he's just programmed a lot of phrases into it? I don't know, because the phrases that were shown were kind of... Do make sense in context. They do. It does indicate that actually maybe he's cracked it. Even though I think the I think the flaw in this is that 
there is absolutely no research in the real world that indicates babies can uh, form sentences or cogent thoughts. Yeah. It's not a matter of... Well, my understanding of childhood development is it's not a matter of, oh, sweet, finally, I'm learning the words and I can put all these complex multi-clause sentences into action because I now have the words to yeah. to translate them. It's not like learning another language where yeah. you go, cool, now I know how to say, hello, how are you in Japanese? It's um, uh, it's your ability to have these thoughts cre- uh, increases with the more words you learn. Yeah, well, um, there are like there are some documentaries I've watched, like um, "Look Who's Talking," the TV series "Rugrats," uh, "Baby Geniuses," you know that sort of thing. They explain sure, that actually sure, babies sure. can understand English and can speak English. They just right. don't want to, they don't want adults to know about it. Boss Baby, that's another one. Family Guy. Yep, Family Guy. Yep. And uh, that yeah. that one also indicates that dogs can talk. Which yeah, is it's got the baby who says things like uh, "blast, um, blast." I want to like kill my mom. I'm a smart baby, and I'm also gay. Like he says things like that. It's really funny and smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. it's not as smart as. You have to be like a real intellectual to understand yeah. Family Guy. That's the thing I've, that people I've, don't understand. I've always said that about yeah. Family Guy. And now. the crazy thing about animation is that they have to get people to act it all out. So they actually just get a baby in there and the baby says those lines. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Oh, it's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they go to the, they go to the baby show. Uh, Frank kills his son accidentally. That's good. Flying him out a window. And, and, the, rest of, and the rest of Frank's son's cartoon show. Death Dream. Death Dream. But he says, my wife is going to kill me, which is again part of this ongoing thing in The Simpsons where fathers lose their children and their only concern is that their wife will be angry at them. Much like in the episode Home Alone. Mm-hmm. Again, it seems like a... A place of misplaced priorities. Yeah. These uh, early episodes of The Simpsons fall into roles of gender conformity very easily. Yes, they do. And it's a whole thing. So, Herb becomes rich again. He, his machine's very successful, and he he gives the family gifts. And yes. there are two that I think we need to single out and talk about. Sure, one that you'll have a lot to say about, one that I'll have a lot to say about. Well, you might have something to say about Bart becoming a member of the NRA. I thought. Oh yeah, it's an interesting one. Yes, in the current climate. Yes, um, because uh, don't know if I mentioned this before, Jackal, but. Um, don't like guns. No, guns no. are bad. Yeah, it's very. Um, uh, it's an interesting one to have to reconcile. And look, obviously, Bart is a well-known hellraiser. Mm. He's a well-known rabble rouser. Yep. Uh, he's a. He's a bad little boy. Bad little boy. <laughs> yep. Um, does that extend to Bart wanting? Cyanide-tipped bullets he's asking about. <laughs> yeah, armor-piercing cyanide-tipped bullets. Mm, don't know. Although, I guess the, the positive is, when Bart says, oh, cool, can I also get armor-piercing cyanide-tipped bullets? And he says, and Herb says, of course you can, it's in the Constitution. Mm. That is a nice enough piss take about how fucking ridiculous yeah. the American gun situation <laughs> is. And when Bart says he wants a machine gun, he says he wants to use it to spell out things and ring in the new year. Yeah. So he's got a very childish understanding of what a gun is. Sure. As most children who kill people do. Uh, yes. Yep. Very interesting point. It's almost like they don't understand the gravity of the device. Mm. But, uh, yeah, that one's just... Uh, in the current um, current political climate around the world, that was an interesting line. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of mentions of guns in the sense like, ah, uh, yeah, the world's kind of too fucked for that to be funny now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And then Lisa gets a complete collected classics of literature. Mm. As they say, it was like every week or every month you'll receive a new one. Sure. And he says, from Beowulf to Less Than Zero. Now, Beowulf is a fairly established classic. Yes. Less Than Zero is the debut novel. Unless there's like another Less Than Zero that I'm unaware of. Less Than Zero was the debut novel of Brad Easton Ellis. Oh. Now, two things here. In no way is that book suitable for a child. Okay. And also, I've read that book. It, it's, it sucks. It's oh. a terrible book. Uh, Brad Easton Ellis is a very controversial, difficult figure. I like some of his work. I think Luna Pud's very good. I think American Psycho is an interesting book. Glamorama's pretty good as well. Less Than Zero is not very good. I got a lot of uh, publicity when it came out because he was like 24 and it was, you know, an interesting look in LA in some ways, but it's dated very poorly and is not a book for an eight-year-old. Sure. And it's just a, just a weird thing in the episode. Mm. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Top five? Top five? You want to get into that? Okay. Well, I think so. Uh, yeah, this is a good episode. The ending's very sweet. The one we've, the one we just, yeah, don't worry about that. When you're pointing at the timer, these episodes usually go for an hour. It's not a big deal that we've been recording for 42 minutes. No, but sorry, what what I was saying is because because the top five's part of this episode, yeah. and normally we do half an hour, half an hour. I think the last one was like 20 minutes. <laughs> okay, okay. It's enough. okay. Uh, this episode, very sweet, nice ending. Defeat rules. Uh, I like Homer saying that he's never really hugged a man before and then hugging his brother because that's a very early 90s like weird thing. I yeah. feel like uh, men hug now. People hug. Yep. There's hugging happening all over the place. I mean, you don't, but, but I, my, I my didn't to hug. I had to, I had to coerce you into hugging at the end of our Christmas podcast. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, well. But I did it, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Top five. Top five. Uh, Top five we'll of start season from, three. We'll start from five and work our way down to number one. Yeah, we'll work our way so. up to number one. Work our way up, I think. Yeah. We'll see how many of them match up this time. Because last time, heaps of them did. So my number five. Yep. Bart, the My Favourite Murderer. Bart is My Favourite Murderer. Yes. Absolutely. So what did you like about that one? How did Weasel his way into number five? Honestly, I don't know. Because <laughs> my thing with, um, with these things is... You may recall when we did the first top five episode, I expressed that I have some difficulty creating top fives. Yeah. I've done some further self-reflection and I now can articulate why I have difficulty with top fives. Sure. Is that um, I have such little esteem for myself that not even I care about my opinion. (laughs) And so when someone says, hey, Nick, in your opinion, what are the top five episodes of season three of The Simpsons? My response is... Why the fuck would anyone care about my reasoning for this? Well, we have people who listen to the podcast. They care. I care. I'm your friend. My name is James. I care about your opinion. <laughs> I care about everyone else's. Don't care about mine. Nick, you got to learn um, to love the beast sometimes. But the My Favourite Murderer, um, there was a lot of um, just good stuff in that episode. I like that it started with Kelp Checks as a, as <laughs> Kelp a cereal. Kelp Checks, yep. Um, it had a really good ad break ending, and those are the only notes I had about the episode from when we reviewed it the last time. Before I launch into my number five, one thing I was thinking as I was writing this list is that my top five episodes, I think, is very different having watched this season than it would have been if you'd asked me before we watched it to just have a shot at this, because as many times as we've seen these episodes, of course, you think differently with Mm. a pen and paper in hand, and when you analyze them on a podcast... Well, maybe we need to start doing like a 
a Johnny Carson thing of like we before the season uh, we oh, oh, yeah, yeah yeah before the season we write our top five down in, in an envelope we seal it and then we unopen it and in the next top five we open it and be like oh look at how wrong I was it's actually a pretty good idea oh really yeah oh, now I, have to I do, like that now I have to do two top fives <laughs> why did I suggest that but my number five. Definitely would have made it onto the list regardless. I think maybe would have placed higher. My number five is Black Widower. Oh, yes. Which we watched earlier today. Yes. As it turns out, because this is the third episode we've recorded today. Yes. Uh, big fan of Such a Bob in general. I like the way the plot plays out on that one. It's mm. funny. Mm. Uh, all the stuff about the incarceration rates and, uh, you know, they probably could have teased that out a bit more honestly. But it's good. I like it. It's good. It's just it's got a good plot. Kelsey Grammer fucks. Uh, it's good. I'm now looking at my top five, thinking that Black Widow probably should have been in there. <laughs> my number four is Bart the Lover. Bart the Lover. Yep. Lover, um, lover, lover. You don't treat me no good no more. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, uh, Woodrow Wilson, great cameo. Yes. Um, that's it. <laughs> You're just a big fan of Woodrow Wilson. Huge fan of Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow. Okay. I'm Woodrow. Howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> my number four. Yes. I married Marge. Did you? Yeah, I Excellent. did. Excellent. Yeah. What's your number four? <laughs> Remember I talked about this last week. You didn't show up to the wedding. And she, oh. uh, yeah, I really like this one because I am a bit of a sucker for the uh, flashback to the past Homer and Marge, you know, being young and like just dealing with shit episodes. Oh. And this one's got this one's just really nice. I really like the scene where they sing together in the car. I like the exploration of their early marriage. It's also very funny. It's a sweet episode. I like it. It's nice. It is nice. What's your number three? Lisa the Greek. Lisa the Greek. Um, I feel like the uh, Lisa-centric episodes were underrated by me as I was growing up. Yeah. And so... This one, when you're going back to it, it's nice Lisa Homer stuff. There's a lot at stake. Yep. Um, it's full of nice bits and pieces. It is nice bits and pieces. And pieces. And pieces. And there was a name of a snack that Homer was eating, which I enjoyed, and now I don't remember what it was. Mmm pieces. Man, flicking through my notes is just insane. <laughs> uh, crunchy corns. <laughs> You've crossed out all your notes. How are you reading them when you flick back? Uh, yeah, it's pretty difficult. <laughs> like Radio radio Bart, I've gone really heavy with crossing them out on there. I'll read you my notes from Radio Bart. Um, I will not carve gods. Phineas Q. Butterfat. Dr. Marvin Munro's Guide to Etiquette. Janie Well Hats and Gross Negligence. So I can still read all my notes. <laughs> Very good. It's just that I crossed them all out. Anyway, that's not the one I was talking about. I was talking about Lisa the Greek. <laughs> yes. Lisa the Greek. Uh, crunchy corns. And also the bag of chips that just says salt. <laughs> That's, that's why I like Lisa the Greek. That's good. A lot of your notes are just like the snacks that people are eating in the episode. And all right, so my I'm number... a huge fan of Snack Watch. Yeah. Oh, as if I haven't. Yeah. Okay. Snack Watch. Okay. That's not going to be a recurring thing. Uh, my number three was Bart the Moiterer. Oh yes. Yeah. I'm sure you've got opinions that are slightly more fleshed out than mine. I think this episode has a. Phenomenal structure. Yes. Remember we talked about how great it is, like the whole opening and then like the ad break with the guns pointing at him is perfect. Yes, guns. Uh, yes. All the, all the mafia movie parodies are spot on. Mafia. 
Yeah, sure. Uh, Skinner getting trapped under the newspapers is very funny. Yes. The guest stars are all really good. Just uh, This one just sort of pops. This is like a well-oiled machine of an episode mm. where everything just follows everything else perfectly and you can just see the wheels turning and it's beautiful in motion. I just want to point out to any listeners at home, everything that uh, Jaikel said, and look, this is probably going to get edited out, but this is just between you and me, all right, guys? Everything Jaikel just said, he copied word for word from what I said, but I bet he's going to cut this episode up and edit it so that I'm just like, duh, I don't know, I don't really have opinions, and then he's going to take my brilliantly thought out critique, repeat it word for word, claim it as his own. I got an idea. What? To uh, For you to flesh out your opinions more, what you should do is... um. Do your professorial accent. Oh, okay. I'll do that for the top two, shall I? Sure. Number two on my list of top five of season three of The Simpsons. Stark raving dad. The season opener. The one with the (coughs) guest cameo from Michael Jackson. The one with the lovely tender moment and the song that Michael and Bart write for little Lisa. Yes, little Lisa. One of the daughters of the family. The eponymous family of The Simpsons. (laughs) Uh, that was good because you just kept stretching it out. <laughs> uh, um, uh, it's one of the few episodes that I remember liking when I was younger and still find I like now. As opposed to some that, te- 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 to, to tell you the truth, there are some that I used to regard as very high and now I now, now don't regard them highly at all. But this one, this one fucks. <laughs> now, um, Professor, while well, I've got you here, yeah. uh, if you could give me some analysis of the song Lisa, It's Your Birthday. Lisa, it's your birth. I mean, one thing you must consider, of course, is that at the time this episode was was uh, was uh, was made, at the time made, this episode yes. was, at the time this episode was filmed, yes, um, that song was, of course, still under copyright. And they were, not, not that song, sorry. The Happy Birthday song. The Happy Birthday song was still under copyright. And you simply couldn't use, you simply couldn't use Happy Birthday to yep. you, yep. which now it's in the public domain. The copyright's expired, you could use it now. But back then, back then we had to create our own birthday songs. Our own rousing anthems to sing on the anniversary of one's... Birth? birth? I, I want to canal, say... Canal, canal exit? <laughs> birth canal exit yeah alright I'll, ta- I'll take a run at that then of the anniversary of one's own birth canal exit oh, it just sounds so dirty when you say it ah yes, <laughs> yes. have you seen my DVD by the way Professor Fuzzy's Guide to You Know What. Um, oh anyway. is that you yes um, uh, hmm, what the fuck was I saying uh, yes, so they had to write their own happy birthday song. And you know what? By gum, they did it. Lisa, it's your birthday. Happy birthday, Lisa. I mean, that's it. Right there. That's the crux of the entire celebration. Yeah. Yes, summarise. Summarise in a catchy tune. And a mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and that one. And then the tapping, the tapping of the bin. Emphasising the passage of time. Very good. The tapping of the bin like the hands on a fucking clock. <laughs> what? I don't know. The tapping, the tapping of the bin like the ticking of a hand. Does anyone like this character? Because I have such a fun time doing it. Would you like to hear my number two? I'd love to hear your number two. Okay, so my number two 
was Colonel Homer, or as I call it, Colonial, Colonial Homer. Homer. Yeah, the one where uh, Homer goes and invades other lands. Yeah. Yeah, Colonialist Homer. Yeah, just a really beautiful episode, great plot, great use of Beverly D'Angelo. Yes. Fantastic music, constant, constant jokes. Mm. Uh, just lovely. Great stuff. We just talked about it like two episodes ago, so go back and listen to that, but I really like this episode. Good stuff. And, um... I have fond memories of it because when I was living at your place, as we've established, I was feeling like shit, and we watched the episodes, that one really stood out to me as like, uh, oh yeah, this is why I love The Simpsons so much, because yeah. of this shit. It's an absolute cracker. Oh, it's a cracker. Yes. Yes. Um, my number one is Colonel Homer. I assumed it would be. <laughs> That's how much I liked it. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Look, as I'm sure you've heard, if you listen to the last episode, where I absolutely butchered the living fuck out of um uh bag me a homer um i really liked that episode i really yep. liked the songs in it they're catchy they're hard to play and sing if you're an idiot like me but uh nah great episode great great episode and my number one yes my favorite episode of season three dancing homer <laughs> absolutely my favorite which I wouldn't have even thought would make the top five probably coming into this. The one where Jerry and Elaine fuck. Yeah, I love that one. <laughs> it was, in fact, Bart the Lover. Oh, Bart my, the Lover. My top episode. Yeah. Which was somewhere in your top five. Uh, it like was four, my I think. fourth, yeah. Yeah, Bart the Lover. Again, uh, I'd forgotten how ridiculously, astonishingly good this episode is. Mm. Every single plot line just works together in tandem you've got obviously Bart tricking Krabappel and then uh, what the fuck else happens in that episode it's very good I remember that much there's a sexy photo of Edna there is the sexy photo of Edna there is Homer with the swear jar all yes. of that stuff it's perfect it's beautiful it's wonderful uh, every joke is good yes. they all hit they do everything's really funny in this episode it's full of memes. It's got $5 get out of here. I don't want any damn vegetables. Like mm. those scenes that seep into the subconscious and but become... But don't quit. Also, yep. on the, also on the podcast uh, or the, the, the postcard. Yep. Wow. It turns out I've forgotten the word postcard <laughs> and assumed that uh, post- podcast is the... Yeah, no, I'll go on vacation. I'll go on a holiday to somewhere and I'll send you a podcast. <laughs> Vancouver. I, I would like that. Wish you were here. It's got the uh, the yo-yos. It's got everything. This episode fucks, as I said yes. back then. And I love it. It's very good. And that's our, my favorite episode of season three. And that's our top five of season three. Yeah. Now, for any listeners that have been tuning in for some time, yes, you would know that at the end of every season... Uh, well, I say at the end of every season. We've done it twice. <laughs> We've watched The Simpsons movie. Yes. I hate that movie, and I don't want to watch it anymore. Nick's trying to find a way out of doing it. <laughs> I'm trying to find a way out of doing it. And what I'm doing is a little move that some people would call out of the frying pan and into the fire. Okay. Because what, what I'm going to suggest to you now, James, yep. um, and I haven't run this past you, but what I'm going to suggest to you, and I think you might like it, is rather than the Simpsons movie, mm. what if we do the Simpsons movie club? Okay. So you know that there are many movies that The Simpsons make constant references to. I'm guessing uh, Citizen Kane would be up there. I'm guessing 2001 Space Odyssey is up there. Yep. Maybe Planet of the Apes. You know, those movies that constantly keep reappearing. Sure. What if, at the end of every season, rather than watch The Simpsons movie, we do a Simpsons movie club 
where at the end of the top five, we tell everyone, hey guys, this is the movie, watch it within the next week. Then we'll watch it and do like a review on it. And you can tell me about the importance of the movie and the themes within it while I sit there and cry. What I like about this idea is that, yes, uh, this will be a hugely pleasurable experience for me, revisiting several of my favourite movies of all time. Well, you will be upset, irritated, angry, and bored. <laughs> yes, but the thing is, I would—I was going to be upset, angry, irritated, and bored by the Simpsons movie anyway. Yeah. But I think that there, there, there is a solid chance that some of these movies will piss me off less than the Simpsons movie. <laughs> They'll also be like two plus hours long, that's, but it'll be good. That's fine. I don't care. So, what so, should we start with? What well, are you thinking? See, balls in your court for this because I think. I, like, I'd gone through a few different stages of this idea in my head. Yep. Initially, I thought that we needed to review the season to see if there were uh, references to a specific movie. I don't think it's worth doing that. I think that we just, you know, we can rely on your movie knowledge yep. to think, okay, well, for example, Citizen Kane, that appears in lots of uh, references to things, so let's do that. Or it might be a fucking Charlie Chaplin movie because we see Abe making some Charlie Chaplin references. Who cares what season the references are in? Yep. Let's just pick them and go. All so. right, so the three that immediately come to mind, and maybe I'll just say the three and you can tell me which one sounds most appealing to you. Sure. Okay, so Citizen Kane, you've just mentioned like 40 times. Citizen Kane's a great yep. fucking movie. Sure. I'm pretty sure I have it on DVD somewhere. Okay, that'd be handy. So that's good. In fact, all three of the ones I'm thinking of I have on DVD. That's The handy. Shining, which is a movie I love, oh. which terrifies me pretty deeply. Okay. How are you with horror? Um, can we sit on the same couch and watch it so you can hug me when I get scared? Mm, only if you'll hug me back when I get scared. Yeah, boy. And then the last one I'm thinking, sure. uh, the Hitchcock classic Rear Window. Which is a fucking stellar movie. I think I've seen part of Rear Window. My sister likes that movie a lot. I haven't seen yeah. the whole thing. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd look, I'd be happy with any of those. Have you got okay. a three-sided coin we can toss? I do, actually. Here it is. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> wow, that thing's really mangled. <laughs> let me just, uh, let me get it out and we'll flip it. Are we still talking about the coin? Hoping that would land on the table and make a nice noise. Fucking outstanding. <laughs> outstanding toss of a coin. Just send, <laughs> send 50 cents flying through my living room. I will need to pick that up. I cannot afford to lose 50 cents. Wait, I've got 10 cents here. If I flick it close enough to the mic, I wonder if we'll get that little ringing sound that you get. All right, ready? Yep. So, um, wait, are we going to do like a... What? It's only a two-sided coin. This is the bet can only go so far. No, no, no. So here's what we do. I'll, I'll narrow it down to two of my own choosing. And do you have a we'll, three-sided dice? And then we'll let no. Uh, and then we'll let the the coin decide the third one. Okay. Um, so I'm going to narrow it down to uh, the Shining or Rear Window. Okay. Uh, heads the Shining, tails Rear Window. Okay. What's actually going to happen is you'll flick the coin and then you realize which one you actually want to watch. I genuinely tell people to do use that as a decision-making tool. Yeah. I always tell people to toss a coin, not yeah. because you'll let the coin decide, but you'll know which side you want. So yes. I honestly couldn't give a fuck. So this is going to be a genuine coin toss. Okay. And I'm hoping that if I flick it close enough to the mic, we should be able to get the nice noise of the coin ringing as it vibrates in the air. So... Uh, heads, what did I say? I don't remember. Heads, shining, Well, tails. wouldn't it make more sense for tails to be rear window? Because rear, tail? Yeah, heads, shining, tails, rear window. It is heads. Heads! The Shining! The Shining, okay. I guess next week we'll be watching The Shining, a movie that will upset Nick a lot, I think. Probably. Yeah. 
And then can we watch the documentary of Room 237 about the conspiracy theories that have come out of The Shining? Um, we have to wait until after our next top five before we can do that. Okay, we don't even need to do it for the podcast. Can we just watch that movie? I'm not voluntarily watching movies for no content it's creation. It's so good, though. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, um, listeners, I don't know how invested anyone else is in this, in this idea, but... Uh, feel- <laughs> yeah, very little time to tell us. We probably will have recorded by the time. Almost certainly. But yeah. feel free to uh, watch The Shining before you listen in the next yeah. episode. We will discuss it in the context of The Simpsons as well. Yes. yes. And, I, and I imagine it's... Look, it won't be another Love the Beast episode. <laughs> no, nothing will be another Love the Beast episode. I imagine it will be pretty spoiler heavy, I guess. I, I mean, yeah. we, we're literally just casting a crystal ball I think ball people know what happens in The Shining yeah, more I guess or less too. but if, if you want to be able to enjoy it on the same level as me then all you need is 31 years of hating movies and then you'll be able to do that if you want to enjoy it on the same level as Jaikul go get a degree or just like be a person just be a person <laughs> so, it's a very good movie <laughs> alright cool alright well thank you for listening as always uh, we'll be back with that and then we'll do season four. We got some other shit in the can as well. Uh, we'll get on top of that. Everything's probably fine. Uh, we're on all the social media. We're either Key Springfield or Pods in the Key of Springfield, depending on where you're looking. Wooza Wuzzle. Onward, Christian soldier, marching us to war in Springfield. Here it is, as we have been hinting uh, for a long time, here is our exclusive interview with Danny DeVito, the DeVitz himself. Uh, Danny, it's good to have you here. I ain't talking about nothing. This skull is Fort Knox. Well, we'll see about that. So tell me, what is it like being an actor? What is your process? My life is a lie. My life is a lie. Somebody's got to get stabbed. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, what do you do when you're feeling down to perk yourself up? Look, if life pushes you down, you got to push back. If you're dealt a bunch of lemons, you got to take those lemons and stuff them down somebody's throat until they see yellow. I've got to say, Danny, you're a bit more aggressive than I expected. Can I offer you a nice egg in this trying time? No, thank you. I'm good. Uh, so I have to ask, um, <clears throat> who are your guys? My roommate was a frog kid. Doesn't really answer my question, but okay. Well, that's all the time we have. Uh, thank you, Mr. DeVito, for everything. Oh, whoops. Oh, I dropped my monster condom that I used for my magnum dong. Yes, I, um, I see that. Thank you again.